we should be able to talk about anything. I, I think truth should come from here. I would like to tell you that we live in a perfect world and we've all come out of perfect functional families and we live in them right now, but that'd be a gross lie actually because we know that's not true. We, we face reality and uh, this clip this morning kind of, it was, it was a little disturbing, but nonetheless, you kind of get the drift. What, what do godly fathers do? That's what that was talking about. And that's, that's not what godly fathers do, but we know that not all fathers are godly, don't we? And uh, I appreciate Steve setting the stage up like this and for Father's Day, and I have a mind that's different than anybody else's, and the first thing I thought about with this fishing pole is that uh, insurance commercial when he dangles and says, hey, I got a dollar for you. You remember that one? So I don't have a dollar for you, but if you needed one, I might be able to cough one up, you know. And it is Father's Day, and I hope you fathers got great presents. I got a finger spinner. Man, these things are great. Who, who has one of these? Are there any other adults that have these? These were invented by ADHD people. I'm convinced of it now. And I asked my lovely wife, I said, man, that'd be something me to do during my message. And she said, I don't think that's a good idea. So in the pocket it goes. And they got me this genuine pen that the, the wood's from... Uh, Israel. It's olive wood. So that's a pretty cool pen. So if after church, if you want to touch it, it'll, I'll let you touch it for a dollar and five bucks. You can write your name. So we'll go from there. In the announcement part, I, I did want to say that uh, 19 through 26, Dennis Miles, we're going to Haiti, back to Mar Franc, where the hurricane pretty much wiped out everything we've done down there in the last 15 years. And if you want to be a part of that, just holler at us. And one last thing, um, we, the church went out to Walmart and ordered $500 worth of shampoo and soap and stuff for our father's arms. So I want to tell you that's your tithe dollars at work. So we are reaching out in the community and doing some things, but continue to bring toilet paper because they're always uh, in need of that. I, I, like, I like statistics. I'm, I'm kind of big into them. An estimated 24.7 million children, that's 33%, live in a home without the physical presence of a father. Millions more have dads who are physically present but emotionally absent. If, I were, if it were classified as a disease, fatherlessness would be an epidemic worthy of attention as a national emergency in America. It, it's something we don't, we don't talk about things like that. We, we get off on other things that we spend all our, our money and time discussing actually on national TV. Of students in grades 1 through 12, 39%, 17.7 million live in homes absent from their biological fathers. According to 72.2% of the U.S. population, fatherlessness is the most significant family or social problem facing America. We, you turn on the evening news, they don't ever talk about stuff like this. They're too concerned about other things that I think is almost irrelevant compared to life. Among children who were part of the post-war generation, that's World War II, 87.7 grew up with two biological parents who were married to each other Today, only 68.1% will spend their entire childhood in an intact family. So we've heard about the crisis of fatherlessness and the negative consequences for children and for our society. Even if you are involved, Dad, until we are successful, your children and grandchildren will be growing up in a culture of absent fathers and unfathered children. They'll be affected. So you see, my brothers, this morning, it's important 
for you to be a godly father. God's word says in Acts 13, 32 and 33, and now Barnabas and I are here to bring you the good news. God's promise to our ancestors has come true in our own time. In that God raised Jesus, this is what the second Psalm is talking about when it says concerning Jesus, you are my son, today I have become your father. 2 Corinthians 6, 18, and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So God Almighty is our role model. When we think about fathers and being a dad, he is our role model and this is, this is our instruction book right here. We need to go into that word and read his instructions how we can be godly parents. So today is Father's Day 2017, a day when we honor fathers, a day when we as followers of Christ and fathers should realize how important it is for us to be godly fathers and live in this age in which we live, to be salt and light in our culture and for our families and especially our children to see that. Here are some statements you'll probably never hear your father say. Can you turn up that music? It really calms my nerves. Here, you take the remote. Let's watch Cartoon Network instead of the game today. Oh, no, kids, this sled is too fast. Josh remembers that. I put him on a sled and sent him down the hill, and he whacked his head on the trunk of a tree so, on ice. <laughs> no, honey, set this one out. I really can't wait to change that dirty diaper. As a matter of fact, let's both get, let's both go get nose rings and tats today together. Hey, kids, sit down at the table and try my new spinach quiche. Go ahead, take my new car. Here's 50 bucks for gas. Keep the change. Hey, kids, where do babies come from? You'll never hear a dad say that. Cameron, which is uh, Trudy's grandson, and Tanisha, and uh, Matt's little boy, asked his mom, he said, can you get babies off Amazon.com? So he also asked if he could get them at the kids' store. So, you know, that's a... Sometimes that's a tough conversation to have. You'll never hear a dad say, well, how about that? I'm lost. Looks like we have to stop and ask for directions. <laughs> you know, Pumpkin, now that you're 13, you'll be ready for unchaperoned car dates. Won't that be fun? <laughs> I noticed that all your friends have a certain up yours attitude. I like that. <laughs> your mother and I are going away for the weekend. You might want to consider throwing a big party. <laughs> what do you want to go and get a job for? I make plenty of money for you to spend. Sleep in all summer and hone your gamer skills. <laughs> so, sweetie, what'll it be today? Plain old French braids or dad's signature cheerleader bun with ribbons. If you kids don't know what you want to eat, it might help to stand in front of the fridge with the door open for 10 minutes while you think about it. No problem. Just take your time. <laughs> You're going on a date with my daughter? Well, don't worry about getting back at any specific time. Just whatever. Have fun. Here's my, take my credit card and go crazy shopping, no limits. And the number one reason with it was this. When I was growing up, we had it so easy. You never hear a dad say that usually. James Dobbs gives us some insight on being a dad. Let's watch this from Focus on the Family. You know, I'm told that when I was a very small child, maybe two years of age, my family lived in a one-bedroom apartment, and my little bed was located beside the bed of my parents. My father said it was very common during that time for him to awaken at night to a little voice that was whispering, Daddy, Daddy. My father would answer quietly, What, Jimmy? And I would say, Hold my hand. And my dad would reach across the darkness and grope for my little hand, finally just engulfing it in his own. 
He said later that the instant he had my hand firmly in his grip, my arm would become limp and my breathing deep and regular. I'd immediately gone back to sleep. You see, I only wanted to know that he was there. Until the day he died, I continued to reach for him, for his assurance, for his guidance, but mostly just to know that he was there. Then so very quickly, I found myself in my dad's place, and I wanted to be there for my children. Not just a name on their birth certificates, but a strong, warm, loving presence in their lives. You see, a dad occupies a place in a child's heart that no one else can satisfy. So to all the men out there who are blessed to be called fathers, I urge you to be there for the little ones in your life who call you dad. Dr. James Thompson for Family Talk. Well, that's, that clip is, uh, probably strikes home for some of us. I remember, um, I remember after mom passed that, uh, my dad slept with me for eight months and man, what a, what a great sense of security that was because no boogeyman worth his, worth his salt would try to get you when your dad's in bed with it. It was just, uh, I can't, I can't explain that, how, how that, uh, that gave me that security. And, you know, like he was talking about, you just want to know that he's there. That's the thing. And when he remarried, uh, we bought this big two-story house in Westfield, and uh, I had to sleep upstairs by myself. And I, I'm a big baby when it comes to the dark. <laughs> I, I probably slept with a light on until I married Diane, because in that way she took the, <laughs> took the chill off of it, you know. But uh, uh, that's not true. I mean, it was like two weeks before I got married that I quit sleeping with a light on. But, <laughs> I'd go to bed at night, and it was just uh, uh, just being up there by yourself, and my dad was downstairs, and I would say, I bet you, I'm not kidding you, you talk about annoying. I bet you every two or three minutes for probably at least a half hour, good night, Dad, and he'd holler up, night, Eddie. But it was just the fact that um, you had that security. I'm sorry. I think a lot of times when we dig into our past that uh, there's some things there you don't want to remember and some pain that you thought was healed and uh, just knocks a scab off and starts to bleed a little bit again. But God has called fathers to give a spiritual, financial, and emotional support to, to their children. They cannot be too busy living for the moment to neglect their children. Dads constantly need to show their kids that they're loved and they're wanted. That's a huge security to children to know that they're wanted. I've talked to adults that didn't know they were wanted. I mean, that you talk about a great sense of insecurity and that they grow up with that, that at least you know somebody wants you around. Dads need to instill in their children their God-given responsibilities and the great potential that they have within them. Every child has great potential, and it's up to us and parents to bring that out of them. It's on us. What does it mean to be a godly father? How does God's word define the word father? I want to look at three actions that godly fathers perform in their lives, and the first one is this, that, that godly fathers lead by example. Billy Graham tells of a time during his early years preaching crusades that he was in South Carolina to do a crusade and 
he was out on the street. He was walking, and he was looking for the post office. He had a letter to mail, and this little boy comes up to him, and he said, son, where's the post office? And this kid explained it to him, and then he said, well, let me tell you, so if you come to the Baptist church tonight, I'll tell you I'll get to heaven. He said, I'm not coming. You don't even know how to get to the post office. <laughs> John 4, 19 and 20. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Godly fathers lead by example. And we take this woman, and sometimes we put her, that's the woman at the, the well of Samaria, we put her in a, in a bad light, a dark light, because she uh, had lived with five men and, she, men and she wasn't married. So in our culture, a lot of times we, we have a tendency to, to look down on folks like that. But here's the amazing thing about this passage. She was influenced by somebody. Some godly man had told her about God because look, look what she knew. She remembered people who worshiped on a certain mountain, verse 20. She knew what the prophet had said before, verse 19, and she knew about a coming Messiah, verse 25. So she was influenced. And that is why it's important for us around our children, around their friends, to be that example. And what I mean by worship is prayer and singing and church attendance. They need to see you read the Bible. They need to see you live godly, choosing to do what is right and standing up for what we believe in. We need to show our kids and our spouse and their friends that we love God. We are blessed when we lead the home and live our lives by example because our, our kids watch us. Let me paint this picture for you. Can you imagine how confusing that is for a child that their parents are really big on church, really big on attending worship? But the only time that the dad really acts like he's involved in church is that hour on Sunday morning. And the rest of the time of the week, he's another person. It's like you're living with two different people. You imagine how confusing that is as a little child? Well, that child grows up and he starts acting like he's dad and it don't turn out so good. We mimic our fathers. We always have, probably always will, whatever they do. When I was little, I used to ride with my dad in his truck. He drove a tank wagon for Standard Oil. He smoked Winston cigarettes. Always had it right there in his pocket. When we'd go to these country stores and eat lunch or stuff, and I'd always want to get candy, but I always got candy cigarettes. I like the taste of them. It's a little weird, actually, but they're, they're kind of strange. But, but you know, I don't even think my dad noticed that, you know, he'd get done eating, and um, i got to put this back. But anyhow, <laughs> one time, all right. <laughs> He would, he'd, take that, he'd take that pack of cigarettes out and, and get one out. And Boy, I was a, I was a big shot. And I seen like uh, James Dean and them guys, they'd roll them packs of cigarettes up in their sleeve, which I thought was really cool. Well, my sleeve wasn't big enough to roll it up, but I tried anyhow. But anyhow, when he'd light a cigarette, I'd get one of those candy cigarettes out. And some of them had powdered sugar, and you could blow them and act like smoke come out. And, and I thought that was, well, that was pretty cool. But his cigarette lasted longer because I chomped mine up pretty quick. They didn't stay very long in my mouth. But the fact is, I wanted to be my dad. I wanted to mimic my, mimic my dad. I wanted to be like him, you know. And I think a lot of times with us, with our habits, they, they're not so good to do around children, but yet we, we do it anyhow. I'm going to skip that next clip, Kim. I'm going to go on to point two, Godly Fathers Lead the Family. Joshua 24, 14 and 15 says, Now therefore, dear, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. 
and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day who you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The father needs to make that statement. The father needs to live that statement, to make that statement in all sincerity and say, in this house, we're going we're gonna to serve God. But each believer must continually choose whom he or she will serve. We can say as fathers that we want to raise our children in the fear of the Lord, but with that statement comes fruit. And some of the fruit would be the example of not sending your kids to church, but taking them and going with them. And there will be an inner desire to see our kids grow in Christ. You know, that's the best thing you can do for your children is take them to heaven with you. To see them function in their lives under the power of God at an early age and receive from God all that he has for them. Because your children, God has gifted them. They, they're like us. They have, they have purpose in life. But for this to happen, dads, you, have, you and you alone have to lead them. You have to do those God things yourself. You, dad, have to pray. You, dad, have to give to God your time, talent, and treasures, which your children observe, and they witness that. They see you doing that. They must see that God is important to you, that he's number one in your life, not second or third, but number one. And I say this in love this morning to you who have children on travel teams or teams that play on Sunday. Please take time out. On the Sundays, you're gone for God. Read some scripture. Use that great stuff that Chris gives you. Pray with your children. Let them know that God is more important than sports. Sports is great. I love it as well. But in a child's mind, you cannot paint this picture that those ball games are more important than the worship of God. If you're going to do that, which I know some of you do, take 10 minutes during that time and pray with those children. Read a couple of scriptures. Insert God into their lives because I'm telling you here this morning, if you don't do that, you will live to regret it. Because as they grow old, they might not, hey, when I was a kid, we, we played sports on Sunday church. Church is not important. That's what happens. You're ingraining that in their minds and their hearts. I can't, I can't stress this point enough. There are things that, 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 up, that, I don't know if it upsets, but it bothers us, especially when you're in leadership. And that's one of them. I'm just being honest this morning that when children think sports is more important than God and church, that's, I have a problem with that. That's who I am. Another thing in life that, that I've encountered as a pastor, that God has given you this gift this baby, this joy, and this baby's like a barbarian. It knows nothing. It doesn't know language. It doesn't know how to walk. It doesn't know how to feed itself. Well, God gives you this in your hands, and you take this home, and you program that child to a degree. They start to talk like you do. They start to act like you. They eat the same food. And before long, you've civilized this baby, but it, you've civilized it in your culture. But we have to understand that God has to be involved in that culture as well as you teach those children that, 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 is, that, is, that is huge. I, I, can't, I can't reiterate that enough. And when I think about that at home, I, I have a premise in life 
We all have Jekyll Hyde personalities. That if you remember the story, uh, Dr. Jekyll was refined. He was a gentleman. He'd go out in public and help people and be friendly and love people. At night, he'd drink this potion and turn into Mr. Hyde, who was the monster. Well, we all have a monster, and he lives at home. We've all seen it. It's, it's, uh, I, 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 hope, I hope you understand what I'm saying, that, that all of us have this, and sometimes we like to allude that none of us are like that, but we all are like it. I, I, I like to talk about that in premarital counseling sometimes. Have you seen the monster? Well, let, being honest, as God, we're in his house this morning, how many of you, if you've been married a while, have never seen the monster? Raise your hand real high because I want to talk to you. I know where it's living. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it, that's, it's a, that's the way we are. You know, with, with, with kids, they have, maybe haven't seen that so much. But, but here, that's that point that when it comes out and the horns come out and the teeth and the claws come out, that we all have it. And when your kids see that, it's, a, it's confusing is what I'm trying to say. So interject God into their lives on, when, you, when you do that. On, if you're gone on Sunday, just, just make sure that God's included. And remember this, dads. God is looking to you and me as the priest of our home and to lead the home in the things of God. To be a godly influence. Look at this first picture. This is a godly influence here. If you, if you notice, that's, uh, that's Pastor Jeff, and then there's Pastor Kerry Michael and his little son Silas. Look what Silas is doing. He's praising God with his dad. That is a huge influence. That's what I'm talking about. And then this next picture, that's Thad and Braden. Thad brought his son. Thad and Megan brought their son to be baptized. That, that is a godly influence. This is, this is the end product of that. Hopefully that we see that as fathers. Because I do believe that on that day, when we stand before Christ and Christ calls us out, we meet the Lord in the air at the Bema Seat. The Bema Seat was a Greek a Roman raised platform that the judge sat on and you stood before the Bema seat and he pronounced judgment upon you, that I do believe that on that, t- on that day when our name comes and we stand before Jesus, as fathers, there's going to be a portion of that judgment on how we acted as fathers. And you can just close your eyes almost and picture Jesus looking in the eye and he said, okay, dad, these precious gifts that I gave you, did you teach them about me? He already knows the answer, but he wants to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. He wants to hear it from us. Last point, third point, godly fathers love their wives. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husband loves your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. God has established the family as a basic unit in society. Every family must have a leader. Therefore, the husband has been assigned the responsibility in being the head of the wife and the children and the family. Now, the husband's headship must be exercised in love, in gentleness, and consideration for his wife and family. Our kids need to see a dad that is devoted and committed and loves his wife. I'm a hugger. I'm a big on, on affection. I, I think it's a good, great idea for children to see their dads show affection to their mothers. It gives them security, and I know it, it always bothered Josh a little bit when we'd be public and I'd be smearing on his mama. He didn't think that was cool, but I don't care. 
If you want to make this pastor happy, if I see you smooching in church, I am a happy camper. I, I think that's the greatest thing in the world. Some people think it's out of place, but not me. This is God's living room. You should be able to do anything in here. Nonetheless, well, not everything, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I better restate that because I know what some of you are capable of. But uh, you know what I'm saying. So dads lead by example. Lead your families in Christ and love your wife. This is what godly fathers do. And with God's help, we can achieve that. I'm going to pray. And then a special lady is going to come here this morning and, and read a letter that it's, it's Leah's going to do it, Leah Grice. This is a letter that she wrote for her dad, Jim, at his going home service. And uh, it, was a, it was a touching moment. And I've asked her to come and read that today. And there's some things in there that we all need to hear. And Maybe we can learn from that. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. And I thank you for all these fathers here, Lord, and the responsibility that you've given them. And I pray, God, this morning as we have spoke your word that in some way, Holy Spirit, you've touched their hearts, and maybe there's a few things they may maybe need to tweak or change in their lives to be a better dad and be more godly. So just ask that you'd help them do that. For we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. One of the things that I... I uh, appreciated about what Jim's family did. He was dressed in Cubs paraphernalia and he had Cubs stickers or those little emblems on the side of his casket. So I think that's a good idea. I'm sure that the Cardinal fans there probably looked the other way. They didn't want to see that Cub stuff. So Leah, you ready? Hey, thanks for doing this. And don't be nervous because uh, in 18 years, I've never been bitten by any of these people, so it's... Uh... Thanks, kiddo. Thank you. Good morning. I just want you to know the reason I wrote this down uh, back nine months ago whenever my dad died was because... I become a blubbering ball bag, and I knew I wouldn't be able to get any of it out without actually writing it down on a piece of paper and just reading it. So um, I just want to thank you all for having me, and, and I'm so thankful that uh, whenever I wrote this, um, I didn't include this in the, in the first service, but um, the, morning, the morning of the service, um, I had already been up about two hours writing something for my dad and we were very close and um, I'd gotten in the shower to get ready and as I'm taking a shower he's like I don't want you to talk about that I want you to talk about this and uh, so after getting out of the shower I went and proceeded to write down what he put on my heart um, for many reasons I know and I hope that that it touches someone or that you get something from it uh, we unexpectedly lost my dad nine months ago to ALS. We had Pastor Eddie officiate my dad's funeral, and it was then that he heard my eulogy about my dad and asked me to share it with you all at today's Father's Day service. Unfortunately, there is no book on losing a parent or loved one. Even if there was, I don't think anything can prepare you, prepare you for it. I am going to share with you a few things I have learned and wish someone would have shared with me or written that book about. Get to know your parents and loved ones as people. 
Get to know them as the boys and girls, the young men and women that they were before they became your parent. What were his or hers early interests? What did they do for fun? Who was the young boy or girl who grew up to be the man and woman who later became your parent? Go through old pictures and get the story that goes along with it. What I wouldn't do to go back and have my dad tell me about his dog Lucky that followed him to school and laid under his desk during class. The girl in the yellow dress that he took to prom. Who was she and did they have fun? What was it like to be a sheriff in the 70s? The list goes on and on, and while I'm beyond thankful and grateful for the pictures, I would do anything to have the story. Family. Death in a family brings out a roller coaster of emotions in people. But the tie that binds us all together is the love we have and share for our deceased loved ones. I know the one thing my dad was thankful for was how his illness brought my brothers and I and our family closer together. It wasn't always easy, and there were a lot of rough days, but I'm beyond thankful that our family chose to love and support each other during and after my dad's passing. This brought my dad great peace in his last days, and one very valuable lesson we all learned from this is that family is everything. And lastly but not least, God. I knew without my faith in God and the grace and mercy he has shown me since my dad's diagnosis of ALS in October of 2015 and his death in October of 2016, I couldn't have gotten through this last year and nine months. My one go-to scripture during dad's illness and since his death is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I would like to... Oh my, I think I forgot something back at the... Can you bring me those papers, babe? I think I tore out something accidentally. I apologize. Thank you. My dad, a great man, but an even better dad. Well, the last year of his life after being diagnosed, being diagnosed with ALS was one of the hardest. It was also one of the best. I had times and conversations with my dad that I will forever be thankful for. I witnessed moments and heard stories between my dad and his family members and friends that made me thankful to be a part of the journey with him. I would like to close with this. If you knew my dad, you loved my dad. And while I have many hard days missing him, I choose to be thankful for the wonderful men he blessed me with. I am most thankful for my husband, Chris, who is an amazing husband and godly man and father to our children. I have brothers and friends and pastors who are also great men that I am very blessed and thankful for. But I am most thankful for God our Father that I go to every day to get me through those rough days and to remind me just how blessed I really am with the people he has given me. And while they will never take the place of my dad, I'm still very blessed and he helps me, helps me deal with that and get through it. Thank you.